This is The Guardian. Today, on the fifth anniversary of the Grenfell Tower disaster, bereaved families and survivors grapple with a decision for a fitting permanent memorial while continuing their fight for justice. A warning before we start, this episode does include first-hand accounts of the Grenfell Fire Tower disaster, and they are distressing. On the evening of June the 14th, 2017, a ferocious fire began spreading up Grenfell Tower, a 24-storey block of flats in Kensington, West London. Fire Brigade. Yeah, hello, hi, in the fire flat 16 Grenfell Tower. Sorry, a fire where? Flat 16 Greenfield Tower. The fire brigade are on their way. 72 lives were lost in the blaze. Among them was Hisham Rahman. Today, his nephew, Karim Musali, joins the family and friends of all those who died in a day of remembrance. We've put together um, our own memorial event that will start at four o'clock. It's a multi-faith memorial service. And we have opened up the tower in a way that it's never really been done before. And then after that, we're going to all get together for the silent walk. This will sort of be the first time that we're, we're, we're getting together properly since COVID. Um, and it's the five-year five year mark. I mean, it's just come and gone so quickly. We all still remember everything like it happened yesterday. If you're just joining us, good morning, welcome to you. There is a fire in West London, a huge fire as you can see. These are the latest pictures out of West London. We've seen debris falling from the building. We've heard the sound of explosions. We've heard the sound of glass breaking. Uh, The police have keep on pushing back their cordons, moving members of the public uh, for fear that the building might collapse. At a news conference 12 hours after the fire had started, the emergency services insisted it was too early to reach any conclusions. At this moment in time, we do not wish to speculate further about the cause of the fire or the fire spread. With criminal charges yet to be brought and a public inquiry still underway, the local residents, survivors and bereaved of Grenfell are still waiting for answers on what happened that night. And they've been wrestling with more tough questions. How to permanently memorialise their loved ones while deciding what should happen to the tower itself. But not everyone is locked at the same stage in the grieving process. And with justice for the disaster delayed, no final decision on the tower or the memorial has yet been reached. And for friends and families who lost loved ones, today is especially difficult. I feel like it's almost starting to to seep through now. We're starting to to feel it. I I, I feel like this massive sort of emotional toll and I, I struggle sometimes to talk about things that I didn't really have a problem talking about. And I, I struggle to not sort of burst into tears a lot because it just it just feels like I'm only really now coming to terms with the death of my uncle and, and how it happened. And we've just been so busy trying to 
fight for justice and changes and trying to make people safe. From The Guardian, I'm Noshin Iqbal. Today in Focus, how should Grenfell be remembered? Andrew Newton, you sit on the Grenfell Memorial Commission and you've lived in the neighbourhood opposite Grenfell Tower for more than a decade. You've been heavily involved in the Residents' Association and in community organising. Can you begin by telling me your memories of that night of 14th of June 2017? I was asleep and I was woken by a sense of something's not right. And I looked over, saw that orange light and told my partner the towel's on fire and grabbed some clothes, blankets and water. It's pretty clear the fire has taken hold again with a vengeance. There are big pieces falling off the building itself. What floor are you on? 11! She's stuck on the 11th floor. There are still people inside this building. Look, 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 there's someone in the top with his chain in his leg. SOS, SOS. There's a family there, there's a family, there's kids. Hello! We're stuck on the 23rd floor! Too many people stuck upstairs! You know what happened next? There was the state put. They told us, go back, go back to your flat, go back to your flat. I didn't sleep for three days. We opened community centres just to get people off the street. Everyone just started ringing each other. We had a brilliant network of all the churches, mosques, youth centres and sports centres and um, everybody just got together with giving someone a place to sit, blankets, water, cups of tea. Well, this is um, overwhelming um, to see the response of um, ordinary people just coming to see what they can do, offering the help, offering to donate stuff. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. And um, I'm really taken back by this. It was just loads of people out in their pyjamas and dressing gowns just trying to stay calm and having, you know, medical issues, breakdowns, trauma. It was that just, I just remember that for days. Our community destroyed. Where's all the help? Where's everyone's bringing water? Everyone's bringing money? Everybody's bringing things? Where's the Where's the transport? People are having to carry it. Where is the government? I find it hard to separate those days in my memory at the moment. Um, the feeling of people are still inside is still what stays with me a lot. Andrea, can you see the tower from where you are, and can you describe what it looks like right now? I have three windows facing it. And it stands majestically there in defiance against what's happened to it and, it and its inhabitants. The majority of the tower, up until the top five or six floors, is a grey wrapping with green hearts. It says Grenfell. Mm. On the other side, it says forever in our heart. The remainder is white. And every year on the 14th it's lit up green it's protected it's special we use it to navigate how we get around it's a a point of reference some people can't look at it some people need to look at it what's it been like for you and the community living under the shadow of Grenfell Tower for the last five years it's an absolute roller coaster of events emotions um energy trauma pain and the most overwhelming deep sense of love and care for each other 
I do need to get away quite a lot because the collective trauma with people living in such concentrated numbers in these buildings is very palpable. From the very first day after the tragedy, people have been creating their own personal, unofficial memorials. Can you describe how those have developed and what they look like? We've got mosaics everywhere. (laughs) Beautiful mosaics. Mosaics are so magical because you can do them as groups and you've all put something in together. There's lots of murals. There's lots of individual messages written on walls. There's graffiti, paintings, messages of uplifting, messages of loss. A lot of art has been created to deal with the pain and poetry and there's trees in memory of people and plaques and photos of of lost loved ones. And what else have people been doing to process their grief and to support each other in memorialising Grenfell? A big thing we do is the silent march every 14th, every month, 12 times a year. We walk in silence out of respect. We walk in silence because we are mourning. We walk in silence because even if we didn't know someone who died directly, someone who lost their whole world could be standing next to us. We walk in silence because words so often offend. We walk in silence because to speak is to vent and to vent is to rage. Rob Booth, you're the social affairs correspondent for The Guardian and you've been reporting on the Grenfell disaster since it happened. When did you first hear people start to discuss what should happen to the site of Grenfell Tower? I mean, it became an issue immediately in the wake of the fire because of concern about the stability of the building. It became obvious that this was such a huge disaster that it was going to have to be memorialised in one way or other. But only over the last couple of years has the focus really started to develop on, you know, what shape that should take. The government has responsibility for the tower itself and there has been an expectation from the start that it would need to be demolished. Now, last year... That idea gained momentum after a leak from Michael Gove's Department of Leveling Up, Housing and Communities. Rob, why has that decision or even that thought process been so controversial? So what happened was that there was a story came out um, in the Sunday Times newspaper which suggested that the officials were ready to pull the building down and that was extremely upsetting for members of the community who felt that it should be up to them to decide um, what happens in terms of the tower and whether the tower plays a role, if you like, in, in the future memorial. And there was more from the government today about the future of Grenfell Tower, wasn't there? That's right. The government's making the difficult decision of thinking of pulling the tower down. Letters went out today to bereaved survivors and people in the community. And they say they've taken advice from structural engineers and need to consider taking the tower down carefully. What should happen to Grenfell Tower has always divided uh, people. Some people think it should stay as a memorial to what happened. Others think it should be turned into a memorial garden. A memorial commission is looking into it, but it will stay up for at least another year until after the fifth anniversary. There are many people for whom the tower is a sacred space. It's a space where their loved ones died. And so the thought of it being torn down on the edict of government officials is obviously very distressing. Also, you have people, particularly in the community who live nearby, who actually would like the tower to come down and they feel traumatised by seeing it over these last five years. 
But overarching all of this is this kind of sense of distrust, if you like, about government motives in the community, in parts of the community, certainly, that they want to bring the tower down in order to reduce the visibility of the disaster and the reality that the government may be held responsible for some of it. Kareem, why is it so important for you that the tower does stay up for now? So as far as we're concerned, nothing can happen to that tower until justice, until charges, until we get to that, that phase, because we we're still quite far from that. I mean, you know, it's been five years since Grenfell. A lot of people have forgotten about Grenfell, and Grenfell Tower being the way it is right now is, is an eyesore, and it's the only reminder of what happens. You know, loads of people drive up and down the A40 every day, and they're forced to have to look at it. They're forced to have to remember. And I want to, even if it's just there as, as, as a nuisance until, until that justice comes, but obviously we have to be mindful of the people that, that live around the tower, that see it every day. I mean, my grandmother lives still very close to it and she sees it every single day when she wakes up and so does my great uncle. And they have different views on what they want to happen. What do you envisage? What would you, if in an ideal world, what would you like to see there? I would like to see something that that educates people, whether we, whether there's some type of visual aids or some some videos or pictures. I mean, I haven't really thought this through properly, but I would like to see something where people can come and not only pay their respects, but be able to be educated to what happened here at Grenfell. Not just, not just on the night, but the lead up and everything that happened afterwards. Rob, do you think the tower and the idea of the memorial are inextricably linked? If you're thinking about the ongoing existence of the tower, no, I think that there are many people who would like to see gardens or water features where the tower is gone and there's something else to mark what happened and the lives of the people who lived in the tower that were lost. So it doesn't have to be the tower, but the question of what to do with the tower is kind of the central thing that's being wrangled at the moment by everyone thinking about this. What's the general consensus? From my understanding of it, there is a broad consensus that the wishes of the bereaved should take precedence when it comes to what should happen. Well, technically, I lost three relatives in the tower. Two, two young children, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, were rescued. And um, the eight-year-old died 36 hours later. Um, so there's a six-year-old, and um, I, I, I need to make sure that... Um, She's not, you know, she's got somewhere to go to where she can remember her parents, remember her siblings. There's a whole spectrum of different ideas about what the memorial should be. And Rob, ultimately, a lot of these decisions about what happens in, with that memorial space comes down to the Grenfell Memorial Commission, which Andrea, who we spoke to, is part of. What was it intended to do? Well, it was set out to essentially decide, having consulted with the community, what the memorial should be like. But it's also having to grapple with something else, which many memorials don't. It says it wants to make sure that memorial deals with why this tragedy happened and the need for justice, which are two much more tricky things to get into with a memorial. Um, but they are also live issues. And this is one of the difficulties that the commission has, which is five years since the fire, and there still hasn't been a conclusion to the public inquiry. There still haven't been any criminal prosecutions. And so 
um, there is a feeling among many people that it's not really possible to create a peaceful place where Grenfell Tower was, while there is no justice in the minds of the community. So there is that tension. And that's what really drives people like Kareem, who are determined to keep the tower up for as long as it takes to get justice before then moving to a, a more kind of peaceful, uh, reflective memorial. Andrew, what's the Commission's main mission? The mission is to create a memorial that is fitting and can be there for everybody and promotes healing and will include and incorporate the ideas of the community, not the government's um, ideas, not the local authorities' ideas and not one particular group's ideas. And what kinds of ideas have been proposed in ways that Grenfell should be memorialised? The space is surrounded by buildings, so we're limited. It's not an open area that, where we can choose in a park or a massive space like 9-11. We have got a limited space, and it's a functional area where people live. So it has to fit with where it sits. There's been talks of the vertical garden, where the whole tower remains and it becomes a whole breeding space for species of plants mm. and wildlife, which would be ecologically sound and helping with the motorway pollution and and just something you could still see from everywhere because it will be standing at the same height and ta- and, and um, still be a, a landmark. And be alive. And be alive and bring the life that we lost. And so people say really lovely, relevant things like 72 species of plant or plants in remembrance of each person's character and things like that. That's one really strong idea that came through. Um, and there's also been talk of if it's not possible to keep the whole tower because of engineers' reports saying it's unsafe, that maybe part of the tower can be retained so that people who truly see that inside space as the resting place of their loved ones, they can go inside there. There's also talk of removing the whole thing and having just a flat garden with beautiful landscaping. There were lives inside before. So if you see the green start growing, um, you know, the birds going, um, you know, nature. It's like it's, um, it's like um, life um, still in there. There's also um, ideas around um, a space for children because the children in the area really are going to be the ones that take the ownership of that space going forward generations they need to be included in going there and owning that space for their friends they lost and the, the space they'll look after. There's talk of a museum, which would be a learning space to make sure it's never forgotten and teach future generations. Andrea, last month, the Grenfell Memorial Commission released a report on the progress towards a permanent memorial. Now, you've told me about some of the most popular ideas, but how close are you to agreeing on how Grenfell should be remembered? And is there any kind of deadline on the project? So the interim report encourages more discussion. The final report says what our findings are, and our findings are just what everybody feels and wants. The final design brief will go out as a competition, a competition to architects and designers. And then those will be put up to bereaved survivors and local community again. And then there will be a further design process.
Rob, how do you think the work of the Memorial Commission is going? Is it trusted by residents, the survivors and the bereaved? I mean, they're dealing with a very difficult topic and a very wide community with lots of different interests. They have had one really serious hiccup, which was when the government leaked, if you like, that they were going to pull it down, because that led to a huge amount of suspicion in the community directed at the members of the Memorial Commission. And they essentially had to read the riot act to the government and say we cannot continue as a memorial commission if the government is going to be leaking stuff about pulling the tower down unilaterally when the government's pledge had been to consult with the Grenfell community. So they put the commission on hiatus during that period so that this was a crisis of of sorts and, and then it's got back to work now. Well reading through the report that the commission published last month, what did you make of it? I thought it was a fascinating document. It struck me that the Memorial Commission is sort of on a journey, if you like, and it's a journey which is in parallel with the whole process of trying to find out what went wrong at Grenfell and trying to achieve justice for the 72 people that died. And I think that the process of trying to work out how to memorialise Grenfell is something that is as difficult as it is, is actually very healthy and very helpful for the people that have engaged in it in terms of dealing with their own grief. Rob, you've been covering Grenfell and the inquiry for years now and you've watched testimony after testimony of the Grenfell community members. Have you noticed a change over the years in the way that people are thinking? I mean, maybe more and more, do people want to leave it behind or are they stuck in this sort of process of grief? It goes up and down and the community has moments of despair when they hear things coming out of the Grenfell inquiry about the conduct of companies and others prior to the fire. And then there are other moments when it feels like they're making progress towards justice. But many of the people that I speak to have coupled their recovery process, if you like, or grieving process to the progress of justice. And that means that they do feel stuck to some degree while there aren't prosecutions and until the public inquiry has concluded. And that is one of the things that makes making decisions about the memorial quite hard. And the time frame seems to be that Michael Gove, the Secretary of State who's got responsibility for the tower really, has said that we're pausing consideration of what to do with the tower around the anniversary, but we're going to restart afterwards. So if in the next few months things speed up in relation to what happens next with the tower, it could be quite difficult for many people to try and decide what they want to do with the tower because they still don't feel that they've got the close from justice that they really want. And how much political momentum do you think that there is to resolve in some way what happened at Grenfell and give families some closure? To a large extent, Grenfell was a political disaster and several government ministers have appeared in recent months at the government inquiry and their record on what they did in terms of wanting to reduce rather than increase regulation before the fire and how that played into the disaster has been exposed. And so it's an awkward truth for them because the continued existence of Grenfell Tower on the skyline is for many a kind of indictment of a political failure as well as a corporate one. So there is a continued suspicion that the government wants to sweep this under the carpet as far as it can, while at the same time Gove does make the right noises in terms of saying that he wants to take the community's side and take their views on board when the government decides what to do with the tower itself. 
we collectively, you know, the department, some in local government, others in the private sector, failed people at Grenfell. And, and there were people who were and still are in buildings where there's a significant risk in reducing it. Coming up, why it's so important to have a permanent memorial to Grenfell. Rob, what would justice for all the victims of Grenfell mean and look like? And do you think it's near? Is it on the horizon? I think certainly that there is faith in the community broadly in the, the meticulous process of the public inquiry, which has been unearthing all sorts of behaviours prior to the fire that were terrible, really. And so there is hope that when Sir Martin Moore, the chair of that inquiry, publishes his report, it won't pull its punches and it will set out what went wrong. But many people you speak to, they really just wanted to see arrests. 72 people died that night. 72 people, you could argue, were killed that night. And they wanted to see arrests. And there haven't been any significant arrests five years on. And I think that that's what justice would look like for many people. And it's still a long way away. Andrea, five years on, do you worry that people are forgetting what happened there at Grenfell? Um, I do. I'm, I'm not massively into us talking, talking, talking about it all the time. I am really interested in action um, and that the relevant authorities and people concerned are taking the correct actions to work on building safety. That would be the most amazing legacy for this tragedy because we have people living with the same cladding in these buildings, going to sleep with children at night, every night now. Right now there, there are people going to bed worried they're not going to wake up in the morning. They know what happened in that tower. We will not betray the dead. Those that may wish to divide us are standing beside us, but we are not the puppets that they think we are. That substance is not inside us. You know why? Because we will not betray the dead. They depicted us as simpletons and criminals, mind games despicable, 200,000 people in homes which are just not livable. Rob, why is it so important to have a permanent memorial? Well, that's a, a, people are going to ask, uh, answer that in different ways. For people who lost loved ones in the building, it's a sacred space and they haven't had a place that they can go to to share their grief with others and to pray or to reflect over these last five years. And that's what it could mean to them. I think for society more widely, it's important to remember not only the people that died, but the disaster that happened and why it happened. And to somehow try and capture a sense of that such a combination of circumstances, such a combination of decisions that led up to the disaster should never happen again in our society. And so if a memorial could capture both of those kind of things, then I think it would probably be a success. Kareem, what would a permanent memorial mean to you? It's really important to have a permanent memorial to Grenfell because 
you know, our families lost their lives in the most horrific way possible for the whole world to see. And I know that we will never get the images, the sounds, the smells out of our head from that night. I still have my clothes from that night. They still smell of the stuff. And um, it's important that we put together something to not only just mourn them, but, but celebrate them. They were people, they had names, they had personalities, they contributed to society. They were members of our community. They were members of our families. And people need to know who the 72 were, the 18 children, the disabled adults like my uncle who couldn't make it out. And hopefully something came out of this. We came together. We stayed strong. We united. We need to make sure that there is a constant reminder of what Grenfell uncovered. And Grenfell uncovered a culture of neglect, a culture of corruption and greed where people's lives are not as important as profit. And the lessons that have come out of Grenfell don't just relate to Grenfell. That was Kareem Wasili, Rob Booth and Andre Newton. My thanks to all of them. The silent walk to remember the victims of Grenfell will set off from Notting Hill Methodist Church at 6pm today. You can find more details by searching Grenfell Silent Walk on Instagram and Facebook. And to read more on the public inquiry into the Grenfell disaster, you can follow Rob Booth's reporting at theguardian.com. And that's it for today. This episode was produced by Ruth Abrahams and Clizia Sala. Sound design is by Axel Cacoutier. The executive producers are Phil Maynard and Elizabeth Cassin. We'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian.